Like I said, tonight I would really like to talk about just what is the point of relationships. That's why I titled the message Relationships. What's the point? So let's talk about that point. I want to get into it right away. I want to give it to you. And then I want to just sort of flesh it out in the word of God and, and see it for yourself. The point of relationships, as is the point of most things, is your purpose, right? The point is that you were made with a purpose and your purpose in life is to glorify God. Your purpose in life is to glorify God. We're gonna be in a few different passages tonight, but I'd love for you to turn to Isaiah 43 with me. Isaiah 43, it's gonna be pretty much right in the middle of your Bible. If you don't have like a study Bible or anything, you can pretty much just flip the middle and you'll be pretty close to Isaiah 43. As you're turning there, I just want to tell you what you're seeing. The book of Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet, and he's speaking on God's behalf to the people of God, and he often starts his chapters with, thus says the Lord. Just like here, if you're looking at the very beginning of Isaiah 43, it says, but now, thus says the Lord. So we should be reading this from the point of view of God to his people from the point of view of God to his people. And I'm just going to read verses 1 through 7 so you can sort of see what I'm going to try to point out tonight. It says, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. What we see here is God is talking about his people. God is talking about the people he has redeemed. Now, if you know Christ, if you are in relationship with him, if you belong to him, if you are one of his, then these words resonate in your very soul with, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through waters, I will be with you. If you are a Christian, that is you. The Lord is your God. You are his people. And right there in verse seven, what does it say? about his people. He says, everyone who is called by my name, we are Christians. We are called by the name of Christ. We are called by the son of the living God. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created, for what purpose? For my glory. The first foundation I want to lay tonight before we ever talk about relationships is that you have a purpose in your life. And that purpose, first and foremost, and the foundation of it is that you are created to glorify God. God has formed you for his glory. That's a big purpose in life. And like with a lot of big things in life that 
have this huge ultimate outcome, sometimes it can be hard to understand how to execute them. It can be hard to understand how to live them out. It can be hard to understand how exactly to walk in them. And so I want to go over just a few ways in which this purpose plays out in your life. And, and here are just some of the main ones I see, all right? So your purpose is to glorify God. And one of the ways that we see that you can do that is by being his image. That's our, our next little sub point there. Your purpose is to glorify God by being his image. Now let's turn all the way to the beginning of your Bible. We're going to stay in Genesis for the most part here for the rest of the night, but go ahead and turn to the very beginning of your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. Let's just talk about where we get this language of being created in the image of God. Genesis 1, 27. After God has created man in verse 26, he says, let us make man. It summarizes and says in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. So he, he blessed the male and the female. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every other living thing that moves on earth. If you've grown up in the church, it's no surprise to you the, the language of being made in the image of God. The imago dei, made in his image. But I want to talk about what that looks like because understanding what it looks like to be made in the image of God helps us understand our purpose of glorifying God. So I want to put it to you in this illustration. In scripture, the word used for image, one of the ways that would be best to describe it is sort of how we view photos how we view pictures. Many of you have taken pictures. Half of you probably today when Be Real went off, you took some pictures and uh, you, you took different sides and captured where you were. And one of the reasons we take pictures is, is why? Because we want to capture a moment in time, but not just that, we want to capture the likeness of who's in the photo. Right? We want to capture what we looked like in that moment, what we were expressing, who we were. And when we look at a photo, when we look at a picture, if like I'm going through and I'm showing people pictures of my kids and I'm like, this is AJ and this is Bella and this is Tara. Like I'm not actually saying that that is Tara living in my phone and that I'm pointing at her and that is her as a being. What I'm saying is this is the image of Tara. This is the likeness of her. And that when you look at her, you will know of her, you will see her, you will recognize her. And for me, someone that knows her, I can imagine and hear her voice and know her deeper and be reminded of her when I look upon that image. And that just is just like the, the palest comparison, but it's the closest one we can get when it talks about to what it means to be made in the image of God. It's that people would look upon us, that we would look upon mankind and we would see God reflected in them. That they would look upon us and they would see just pale comparisons of goodness and kindness and trust and gentleness and love and justice and mercy. That they would see just pale comparisons of who the creator God is and who the sustainer God is is like that is what it means to be made in his image that people would look upon people right that they would look upon us as the imago dei and know god and see him and be reminded of him 
and maybe hear his voice and remember his actions. That's the idea of the image of God. And so we can be the image of God. Like we're made in the image of God, but we can be the image of God by reflecting his glory. Let me say that again. We can be the image of God by reflecting his glory. And God has actually given his people a very specific way that they can reflect his glory. And that is through the commands that he has given them. Through the laws and commands that he has given them, that is how people reflect his glory. Like the law, like you guys are somewhat familiar with law. We've talked about it in, in weeks and months past, but the law of God handed down to his people. Some of us recognize it as like, don't do this, don't do this, like don't murder, don't steal. Like those things, like that law handed to them at the heart of it, that law and commandments are intended to show the world who God is. Is It's intended to show the world what holiness is, to show the world what purity is. And God's people, by following those commandments, show the world what holiness is. As we strive to be holy like God is holy, we are showing what holiness is. We are showing what purity is. So we can be his image by following his commands. And before we dive into the specifics of relationships, I want to talk about just a, a few of the greatest commands. Because once we understand our purpose, it's all going to connect, I promise. Let's talk about a few of the greatest commands. Jesus mentions what the two greatest commands are. He summarizes them pretty great in Mark 12. That's going to be on the screen. Mark 12, 30 to 31, he says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, the second greatest commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus, doing what Jesus does, manages to summarize all the law in two great commandments. Commandments that will allow us to reflect his image and to show his holiness and to fulfill our purpose. And that is to do these things. To love the Lord our God with our soul, mind, strength, heart. Love our neighbor as ourselves. That's what we see as the greatest commandment. To fulfill living his purpose that he has given us and being his image. It's not the only commandment though. And on top of that, Jesus actually gave us more to do. He extended our purpose. He gave us more specific instructions for our purpose. And this ties right into our second point. We're not just um, called to be his image and to glorify him by being his image, but we're also called to glorify him by making disciples. By making disciples. We don't need to turn there. I'm just going to quote for you Matthew 28, 18 to 20. That is the Great Commission. You know it. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you till the end of the age. Like Jesus, as he's departing this earth, as he's ending his ministry, as he's telling his disciples what they are to do when he will no longer physically be with them, gives them more clarity on their purpose and the clarity he gives them on their purpose is to make disciples. So not only being his image, but making disciples is one of the ways that we see our purpose is to glorify God. And on top of that, third, certainly not last and certainly not least, is by keeping his creation. By keeping his creation. And this is where we see it pivot. Go ahead and you're, if you're still in Genesis 1, go ahead and turn over to Genesis chapter 2 with me just real quick. 
Genesis chapters 2, we're still in the creation account. We're still in God talking about how he created the world. And in 2.15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. And then look at this line right here. He put him in the Garden of Eden. And then there's a purpose statement. And what does that purpose statement say? It says to work it and to keep it. Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. We see that from creation, mankind has a purpose. From creation, being made in the image of God, intent to glorify God, mankind has a purpose. And and part of that purpose is to work the garden of God and to keep it, to create and to cultivate, to tend to the things of this earth that the Lord has given us. If you go back and read Genesis 1 and 2, what does it say that he does? It says he gives man dominion over earth. That he gives man dominion to take care of it. Let's talk about even the fall, right? In Genesis 3, like Adam and Eve, they really screw up. And God gives out covenant curses to them. But even in those covenant curses, does he say that their purpose is no longer to tend and keep? No, he doesn't. Actually, what does he do? He just says it's going to be harder for them. Right? He tells man that it's going to be hard. By the sweat of his brow will he then grow until the earth. Woman, by the pain of childbirth will she produce. What we see is that God doesn't stop their purpose. But part of the curse is that it will become harder, but it's still there, right? You see how the purpose is still there by keeping his creation. So we've set all this up. We've set the purpose up. And let's talk about how it involves relationships and why we needed to talk about this in the first place. The point of this, now that you understand your purpose, the next point is to build your relationships upon this purpose. Build your relationships upon this purpose. So it it stands to reason that if we are called to glorify God as the purpose of our life, that that purpose shouldn't stop when we enter into a relationship. It didn't stop when Adam and Eve sinned. It didn't stop when they brought death into the world. It didn't stop when they broke the world. It's not going to stop when we enter into a relationship. Our purpose doesn't stop at those times. In fact, it stands to reason that if the chief end of man is to glorify God, that the goal of relationships should be the same. So for those of you in a relationship, your relationship should be built on. It should start on the agreement that you are image bearers of God, that you are called to make disciples, and that you are called to keep his creation. You are called to those things. And the discussion as you're entering into relationship should be that you are in agreement of those things, of your purpose and purpose of entering into these relationships. And let's not forget and acknowledge that Eve was created for this very reason. Eve was created for the very reason of helping fulfill this purpose. If you look just three verses later in 2.18, it says, then the Lord God said, Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Let's stop right there. Why wasn't it good? Think about that. Why, Why wasn't it good for Adam? We know that the end goal of man is not that he would be happy. We know that the purpose that man is in life is not that he would be happy. It's what? 
It's to glorify God, to be his image, to work and keep the garden. So if it's not good for man to be alone, why is that? God actually answers it in the next sentence. It's not good that he should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. What is she helping? What is she assisting in? What is she coming alongside him in? It's not so that he'll be happy. Woman's end goal is not to make man happy. She's coming alongside to help him in the purpose that has been given to him. Man and woman together in relationship are meant to glorify God and achieve the purpose together. What does he tell them to do? Go forth, be fruitful, multiply, to tend, to keep, to fill the earth with the image of God. Because if we are made in the image of God and we be fruitful and we multiply and we grow, there is more of the image of God across the earth. Like that is the purpose. So how does this relate to relationships? First and foremost, Build your relationships on this purpose. Acknowledge that it's in the purpose. And I want to encourage you, if you're in a relationship and you've strayed from this purpose, or if you're in a relationship and you have never even had it, you've never even had this conversation, I want to encourage you, it's time to have that conversation. It's time to get to it. It's time to open up and start discussing these things with your significant other. If you're interested in somebody, it's time to start having these conversations and get on board. And there'll be more of that in just a few minutes. But let's just start right there, right? That you need to build your relationships upon this purpose. And for those that are not in a relationship, for those not in a relationship, I just want to encourage you, don't enter a relationship if it's not built on that purpose. Don't enter a relationship if it's not meant on coming together as man and woman. Don't enter a relationship if the purpose is not to glorify the Lord. And we can all think, I don't even need to list them. We can all think of reasons why we might want to enter a relationship that isn't built to glorify the Lord. Don't do it. I want to encourage you. Don't do it if you don't agree that you're image bearers of God. If you don't agree that you're called to make disciples. If you don't agree that you're called to multiply you don't agree that you're called to be together as one in marriage. So that's the first one. Second encouragement and thing that we need to see is not only build your relationships upon this purpose, but practice this purpose. Practice this purpose, right? Practice the purpose to glorify God. Like what I'm saying is that for those of you in relationships, if you notice, I have a category for both, right? If you're in a relationship or if you're not in a relationship. For those of you that are in a relationship, I want to encourage you that your relationship should contain the things that help you practice this purpose. Your relationship between both of you should contain time with God, should contain prayer, should contain time in the Word, should contain time and fellowship like we talked about last week, like coming together to the body of God, with the body of God, alongside the body of God. Like you need to have these things in your relationship that cause you to practice the purpose of them. You can see how they would cause you to fulfill your purpose when you are together and you're reading God's word like I just showed you. Like I showed you in God's word what the purpose is of man. And when you're reading it together, you can't deny what it says and you need to come around it together as a couple. When you're in prayer together, guys, you're meant to be unified. You're meant to be together. You're meant to be growing in relationship. One of the greatest ways to do that is to pray together. 
to have soft hearts to the Lord together, to seek him together. It is really hard to hate someone you pray with. It is really hard to be angry at someone that you consistently pray with. It is really hard to hold unforgiveness on somebody that you consistently pray with. I want to encourage you to do that. But for those of you not in a relationship, here's my encouragement for you. You need to have these practices in your life. Your life needs to already contain these practices because they're not just going to magically come because you meet a cutie, okay? They're not, you're not just magically going to open up and start praying because you meet someone you like. You're not just going to all of a sudden get more knowledge of the word of God and understand him and know him deeper just because you find someone attractive and you think you might have a shot, okay? Like, I want to encourage you, put these practices in your life right now so that when you come together with someone, so that when you meet them, so that as you grow in relationship, those things would come together. Now, I came up with a little list of cheesy sayings about this, all right? Now, here's what I'm saying. They're cheesy, but the reason that they're said so often and makes them cheesy is because they're still true. And I know if any of you have ever attended any kind of youth group that's ever had a message on relationship and purity, you've probably heard one of these, but let's just get them out of the way so you know it's all in the same vein. Um, you can't cross the same finish line if you're not running the same race, okay? If you two don't know God and both know God, you can't cross the same finish line. I had to, I had to figure out this one. This is from Craig Rochelle. It says, become the one, the one you were looking for is looking for. Say that Did I get it right, Richard? Become the one the one you were looking for is looking for. I'll let you think on that one. Okay, that's a proverb. You rest on that one. Here, if you're running towards Jesus, you should be able to look beside you and see them running to him too. Right? These are all really cheesy ways to get across the point that these practices need to be in your life. And you should desire a person in your life that the practices are there as well. So, practice this purpose, and last, but certainly not least, defend this purpose. Like if your purpose is to glorify God, then you should defend this purpose as well. Is that there? Nope, it's missing. Oh, there it is. Yeah, all right. I was like, I know it's there. It's in there somewhere. All right. Defend this purpose. The reason I put this in here is because sometimes... We get to a point where the purpose can't be recovered. I'm speaking to those of you in relationships right now. If you're at the point in your relationship where this purpose can't be recovered, where either you've had a conversation, you're trying to have conversations, or you have a conversation a week from now, and they're not on board, they're not on board with this, but they're not on board with literally what God said he made you for, and they're not on board with living it out and encouraging one another. I want you to defend the purpose by ending the relationship. Now, if you're married, that's a whole other thing. I'm looking at some married people. Do not end your relationship if that's the case. Let's talk and have counsel. But for those of you that are not married, that might just be in a relationship, I want to encourage you to end it, okay? If it can't be recovered, if the gospel has been spoken to one another and there is refusal to come together on the purpose of why a relationship exists, it's time to be done. It's time to defend the purpose and live out the purpose that God has given you. The application for those of you not in a relationship, don't start it. 
That one's pretty easy, right? Don't start it. Just, just end it. Maybe you're starting to text somebody. Maybe you're starting to talk to somebody and it's already starting to become obvious that like this is, this is not going the way that you know that it should go. Just stop. End it. End it now. Last one's a bit of a gut punch, right? Just, hey, it's, it's like it's a, it's a way to end a message. Yeah, just break up. It's fine. You know, like I get it. I get it. But that's how much we should be fervent about the purpose that God has given us. That's how much we should be fervent about who we choose to spend our life with. That's how much we should be fervent about the things that we have because we have a short time that has been given to us, but we have a huge purpose that's been given to us and we need to live it out. So your purpose is to glorify God, to build your relationships, to practice this purpose and defend this purpose. And I wanted to end with one final illustration out of scripture just to like, so you know this wasn't just me saying 2 Corinthians 6.14. I told you last week I would mention this. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Speaking of those that are going to be married, are in relationship, are married, says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Now, let me explain this just a little bit. What does yoked mean? You don't know, really. The, the definition is... Um, Back in the days of agriculture and farming, this was a really great illustration back then because they would have you know, like two oxen side by side and they would put a yoke on them, which is like this bar that connects them together and causes one not to go further than the other and, and one not to go right while the other is trying to go left. Like it kept them together and it kept them going the same way. And it's sort of weird that Paul would use like a livestock illustration to talk about marriage, but it's a really good illustration because what is it saying? It's saying if you're going to be with somebody, then you need to make sure that you're locked down on the same purpose. The yoke that it's talking about that keeps them together, that causes them not to stray right or left or one to go faster than the other is the purpose that they've been given. That's us. Right? We've been given the yoke. We've been given the purpose of glorifying God. And what we want is that yoke to fall on somebody with us that's on board with having it, on board with going the same direction, not going left or right, not going, I mean, going there fast would be really great, but not going too slow, right? Like being together in it. So the reason I bring that up, like I said, is because I want you to see in Scripture. I want you to see in Scripture that what I'm saying, that when I, when I say Isaiah 43, 7, and then you see three points that don't have verses next to them, that they are biblically rooted. And then I am preaching out of the word of God. And if you have any questions about that, I'm here afterwards. I'd love to help you with any kind of specifics. I'd love to talk you through any of this or get connected to someone that maybe can answer even more questions. All right, let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. Lord, I pray um, that this was a, a felt topic. I know it was. I know I received many questions on it. I know it's something that many people question and wonder and Father, I pray that um, just having these foundations, just having the, the core value of what it means to be made in your image is enough for us to understand what it means to be in a relationship with someone else that's in your image. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the strength to say what we need to say to significant others, that you would give us the boldness in seeking the right person when it comes to being in a relationship, Lord, that we would truly find helpers fit for one another, I pray that we would see more people come to know you through godly and healthy relationships. 
I pray that we would see people be fruitful and multiply and there to be more Christians in this world, Lord, because they were raised by godly parents who were married together for the same purpose. And Lord, I ask that anything I said here tonight, if it's not according to your word, that it falls short, Lord, that it have no impact whatsoever. And Lord, that anything that is your word that's eternal would have its eternal impact and not be found empty, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.